0: Hi and welcome to Home Education For All, or HEFA for short. At HEFA we believe that community is the heart of home education and so that's what we built. We built a community in the UK, helping, supporting and uplifting each other to be the best home educators we can be. And now we're coming to you via this podcast too. Stay tuned for all things home education in the UK via our amazing, experienced, knowledgeable and often hilarious team. We truly believe home education can be for everyone and we hope listening here will give you the confidence or knowledge you need if you've been considering home education. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to Home Ed for All, Heifer for short. So, this week on the Heifer podcast, we are continuing with our Home Ed 101. And this week, we are talking all about finding your groove. So, in this series of podcasts, we are going through the guides in our Facebook group. Um, We're not going through every single one of them, but we're going through sort of the the, the ones that stand out the most to me Um, and uh, just trying to get a a more audio version of the guides with easy to follow, easy listening uh, episodes for you. So as I said, this week, we are looking at finding your groove. So when it comes to home ed, there is no one way to do it and that's really important when you first begin home ed is to recognise that number one it's not school Um, and number two it will take you some time to find your feet to work out what what kind of way in which your child learns best what is it that interests them and motivates them Um, and and also you know What suits your family and the way that your family works. It is important to note that in the uh, in England and Wales, the EHE guidelines. um, So, if you haven't heard of the EHE guidelines, we have a blog, uh, blog, a podcast episode. Uh, completely dedicated to the guidelines uh, a few weeks ago, so do go and search that out. But the EHE guidelines are, you know, they help us to understand what's expected of us and what's expected of the local authority. And what's important to note from those when you first start home edding is that you are not obligated to recreate school in any way. When you're a home educator, you do not have to follow the national curriculum. You don't have to follow school hours or times or terms. Um, your your home ed doesn't have to happen between nine and three, Monday to Friday. It could be, um, you know, early in the morning and then late in the evening. And you could have something else going on during the during those hours. It could be that you do home ed every day. It could be that there's no specific kind of learning time that you dedicate to home ed and instead it's kind of a constant learning experience as well so you don't have to stick to those school hours those terms those days and weeks and things like that it is important to recognize that education is expected from day one so when you are when you've got a child in school education is happening um for, for the for the most part education should be happening on a daily basis, they're attending an educational institute for them to be educated. Um, And when you uh, sort of take back that control over the education by deregistering and home educating, you're taking on that role to ensure that that education is continuous. So it's expected that that education is happening from day one, but that doesn't have to look anything like school is what I'm saying. So there's lots and lots of different styles of education and styles of home education. Um, When when we come out of the school system, um, for for those of you who have not home ed from a first choice, Um, You come out of that school system and that school model can take a little bit of time to get out of your system. And it takes a while to realise that education is much bigger and much broader than what's provided in a school and in the national curriculum as well. That's not to say you can't follow the national curriculum and you can't have structure. Those things are completely valid and completely right if those things are right for your family. Um, what's important to note is that, you know, when we give ourselves time to uh, adjust and, and take that period of adjustment where we get used to not having that school system, not having that, um, that school model to work from, uh, some, sometimes people can find that uh, they, they realise that education is, is much broader and some people might come back to that system and go, that's the system that works right for me and my family. So whatever approach you take is completely right for your family. Um, if you follow a structured system, that doesn't necessarily mean that you know your children will go on to take exams or go to university and things. That you know it might be that that's not what was required for them at that time. In the same way that if you follow a completely unschooling approach, for example. Um, self-directed then that doesn't necessarily mean your child won't take exams and things like that Uh, I personally have um, my oldest child is in university and they were unschooled from the age of 11 so you know plenty of children no matter what style of home education they fall into go on to do wonderful things in their lives and you know that's the beauty of home education, it's freedom and it's choice to take different routes Um, and it gives you time to, you know, involve your children in their learning, to take their lead, you know, allow them to take the lead, um, to facilitate the learning that they naturally have within them. So today what we're going to do is we're going to talk to, um, a series of home educators from our community who do home ed in a range of different ways. So we've got a um, a family coming to talk about structured home education and how that works for them. We've got a couple of families coming to chat to us about semi-structured home education and how that works for them. And we've got another family coming to talk about unschooling as well. And I hope that what this will do is give you an idea, not of a way in which you can follow, but a a recognition that there are lots of different ways. Even if, for example, you meet, you know, 10 homeschooling, home-educating families and, you know, nine of them are unschoolers and one of them structured, Um, That doesn't mean that the structured home educator is doing anything wrong and it doesn't mean that the unschoolers will all be doing the same thing either. What's really interesting is that we have two different families that are semi-structured and that looks very different for both families, but they're both semi-structured. Does that make sense? So yeah, that's what we're going to have on today's episode and I am really looking forward to talking to our guests. So let's get started with that. So today on the podcast I have my first guest which is the lovely Jessica from England and Jessica is a structured home educator. Hello
1: Jessica. Hi, Hi. lovely to be here.
0: It's fantastic to have
1: you. Um, So my first question is how long have you been home ed? We've been home educating for eight years now, eight years and a term. Wow, fantastic.
0: So did your children um go to school previously or have you always home ed?
1: Yes, we've got three children um but then we had a fourth who's much younger. Um so she will never go to school, but the eldest three, yeah, we she was 8 when we pulled our eldest out.
0: Fantastic. I I for me it was the youngest that got pulled out first and then the ah. they kind of went in that order, but my youngest has, my now youngest has never been to school. Right. Um and he's nine. So Okay. Yes. So, so um you described your home ed to me as um a fairly structured approach, which I absolutely am fascinated by. Um and I would really love to know what what that means to you as a home edder, that structured approach to home ed.
1: Yeah. Um well when I first took them out I Was had this desire to sort of prove myself that this was the right thing to do, and I was there. My children were going to get just as many GCSEs as um, a school child, but um, and we sat down with our desk and our comprehension, and then uh, the anger set in because it was so ridiculous. (laughs) And and, but I have always felt there needs to be some structure, Um, and even though um, I sit down well i i'd like to think that my children think that they're relatively free but in my head um i'm quite structured so um we'll do um we'll do 2 hours of um something quite structured in the morning whether that's maths english we have an amazing book called story of the world that a lot of home educators yeah we do that um and then in the afternoon we're quite um free in the fact that so this afternoon they're going to be learning um how to operate a chainsaw. Um, And um, yesterday afternoon they were out digging veggie patches. Um, They have football dancing, um singing, guitar classes. So I don't want I'm not a helicopter mum because there's also that tendency to always make sure they're busy. So I want them to realise that just being is important as well. But equally, there's only so much of being that I'm like, I'm like, come on now. Let's um, let's yeah, let's get busy. So um, I would say two hours of structured sitting down, focused work most mornings. And then um, we will do two hours of um, outdoor dancing, art, carpentry, something like that in the afternoon and then they will they've all created their own after school club activities through following their passions that's all their choice um and yesterday i sat down with my son who's 15 next month and i've said um He's a nice enough guy, he's an intelligent, well, you know, my main ambition is that they're lovely, happy people. And I said, you know, you've achieved that, so you are in control of your week. Um, These are the things that are non-negotiable to me, um, and they are maths, English, a language, a musical instrument, and uh, growing your own food. They're non-negotiable. And I said, but then you tell me what you want to do, and from Monday to Sunday, you've got to make sure you've fitted those in. Um, his number one priority is seeing his friends. So um, <laughs> I've said as long as you fill all the other ones, then you can see your friends whenever you like. Um, and But he's got to achieve those things in the week. And that made him feel, yeah, that he was kind of, uh, that I trust him, I suppose. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's all about empowering your children, isn't it? And um, not being a dictator, really. (laughs) Yeah,
0: completely. Um, A lot of people um, freak out about either structured education or unstructured education. Um, A lot of people tend to kind of go for the more middle route of semi-structure and and things like that. Um, So there's a bit of everything in there. Um, Mm. For me... It it sounds it sounds really interesting that there are specific non-negotiables that have to be done. Do they do they need to be done on a daily basis or a weekly basis?
1: Weekly basis. Um Okay. Because yeah, I read this article from a headmistress and um she put her son in her state school, which was quite a rough um school in London, and um she said a musical instrument was always non-negotiable to me because she's just, and I just think it teaches you so much, uh, discipline that things don't come easy. Um, and it's also maths. Um, it's uh, Yeah. yeah. And just, you do switch off, you become fully immersed and it's a gift. Music is just such a gift. Um, so that's, I just feel is just hugely, uh, important. Um, And also, we've just moved house recently. We've got a big, big garden and growing. We're finally in a position where we can grow our own veg. (laughs) And um, I said, you know, if you... I don't want them to get a job uh, for the sake of getting a job. I want them to follow their passion and the job to come, you know, or the money to come because they followed their passion. But I said, if you can grow your own food, then that's already a reduction in your outgoings. So... um, You know, they've gone in a little bit begrudgingly, but I just said it's (laughs) it's you're connecting with nature and you're learning just so much. And it's so therapeutic getting outside. Um, Yes. I love it. So
0: so when it comes to um, sort of uh, the these kind of more structured um academic activities and, and things like that is there a particular curriculum do do you follow the national curriculum or
1: no because I found the curriculum very frustrating um what they expect children to achieve is just crazy um again we tried and we tried and my daughter was going to get GCC maths but um my anger levels rose and the the book ended up being thrown across the garden (laughs) um and so we decided to actually ditch all of that and she's got into she got two unconditional places offered for her at two local colleges and she chose the one that was best for her without any GCSEs so we don't follow um we did the is it CGP um books yes yes um so I found them pretty good but um um that's yeah that's the main the main thing and story of the world um and English I just pick up a book that I find interesting um but like you I'm a writer and I've also seen how they drive the passion to write out so um I'm trying to like today um um, I taught English and maths and one boy um he is creating a book of poems about poo um, and he thinks it's hilarious. <laughs> so I was like, if you're thinking it's hilarious, there's going to be loads of other children who think it's hilarious. Um, so that's, he's got his own book. And I said, if you uh, commit to this, then we'll find you a um, designer and we'll help you self-publish it and we'll put it on our website. Um, because I want him to feel, you know, like he think, they used to think that they did couldn't, Like use poo and poetry in English, but I'm like, yeah, it's rhyming, it's um, creativity, and it's bringing humour. So it's no curriculum; it's more like learning through my experience um, and making our own curriculum in a structured but hopefully free way that they feel able to express themselves and follow their passions as well. So it's getting always getting that balance because I do believe structure is important. Um, yeah. for me, that works for me. Um, I, yeah, I, my levels of worry would increase if, uh, <laughs> um, and I don't feel like in the Aborigines say it takes a village to raise a child and we're not in that society. So, um, I always think that I haven't got all of those skills. So, um, we, I do my best to bring in a carpentry teacher. We've, they've got a carpentry teacher now and, and now we've recently just moved in with two people and yeah, he's the guy that's teaching them how to use a chainsaw and one ladys an artist so she'll be teaching them um, how to sew and how to uh, make prints on clothes. Um, but again it will all be structured without following a curriculum.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Mm. Um, it is something that I hear quite often is um, that even with um, families that are extremely structured and, and they're kind of following a, um, a kind of school day setup, um they they quite often when I speak to them they'll quite often say no we don't follow the national curriculum we've created our own curriculum or we're following um for example exploring the um exploring nature with children or um you know various different pre-made curriculums that just make more sense to um their child and their view of what what's important educationally
1: yeah And if only, I mean, I feel like our schools could learn so much. Um, (laughs) They really could. Yes. And it's really all about listening to the child. That's what I think is the most important thing, because they will show us the way. Um, As long as we're there, just like any tribe, setting boundaries and being there to support them, but they will, if we follow them, then they'll find their path in life. And we don't need to completely yes, to do that.
0: <laughs> I love it. Thank you very much for joining me to explain to me what structured education looks like to you and your family. Oh, thanks. Um, what's important is that every single um, family is providing the education that their child or children require and need um, that makes the most sense to them
1: and their family, right? Exactly. Yes, because I've got a friend who's ch- son I was teaching today, she's a completely free schooler and it works brilliantly for them. Um, but I emotionally couldn't for some reason, maybe because I'm being pro I've been programmed a lot more and I was um yeah. But I, there's nothing wrong with
0: that, right? No. There's, there's this idea that um so, you know, there's often this idea that if you're doing a very, very structured education that you're following school at home. And and mm. actually that that's not the case in many, many situations yeah. um it's that you know the structure of um of a day and um of ensuring that some things are non-negotiable and they must be done on a daily basis or a weekly basis and and all of those and creating your own curriculum to work from all mm-hmm. of those things are important if that's important to your family yeah
1: mm, exactly And there's nothing
0: wrong with that
1: No, that's the thing, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah, it's treating the whole family rather than, um, yeah, taking into consideration what you're all capable of as a family. And yeah, Yeah. it works for us. Yes. Well, thank you for your time.
0: Thank you very much for talking to me, Jessica. Pleasure. And so now I have my second guest, Kate, who is a semi-structured home educator in the South of England. Hello, Kate. Hi, hi. Hello, um, so how long have you been home educating? Ah, uh, we've been home
2: educating coming up two and a half years now, which is quite extraordinary.
0: <laughs> it really is um, so for those of you listening, Kate and I know each other quite well, and um, I remember you deregistering, and I expected you to say like. About a year, so it's fascinating how quickly time goes, isn't it? (laughs) It definitely does. It's it's nuts. Um, and is home ed everything you kind of hoped it would be? Yes,
2: and much more. It really, really is. Um, and I'm not sure. I I know personally, I would struggle if my children said, "Oh, we'd like to go back to school," because I'm sitting there thinking we could do so much we're doing this 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 what's going on and we've got opportunities to do that um so I know that personally if they said you know we'd like to go back to school um I would be sort of like slightly slightly shocked because I'm and my husband we're absolutely loving home educating absolutely loving it
0: oh that's wonderful so um You describe your home ed as um, semi-structured. What does that kind of mean to you? So semi-structured means that
2: my husband and I can both still work because we need to. So we have to be semi-structured in that there is some time that we can't be available for any form of education and other times that we can be. So therefore, there is that semi-structure in place. The other reason that we are semi-structured is that it suits the ways my children learn Um, we did experiment a little bit with taking out structure because we felt everything was becoming a little bit too formalized and a little bit too slightly rigid Um, and we we said well no would you like to try it because everybody was just beginning to get a bit um felt responding a bit sort of stressed and a bit agitated with being really structured and everybody agreed to give the unstructuring a go and quite honestly, for my children, that they then fell apart even more. So what we have ended up doing is a semi-structured. So they know that certain things take place on certain days, but they're equally happy, because that semi-structure is in place, they're equally happy to then um to then fall into more flexi, more um more sort of like a following of their interests part that we can then bring into it in a different way so it's a semi-structure that meets the needs both of the children for um uh for their need to know what's happening their need to know what's coming forward uh and it meets the needs of my husband and I for us to work
0: as well that's wonderful I love how this is something I love about home ed is that you know, there are, we were talking before we hit record about how it's so important for home educators, you know, new home educators and people considering home ed to understand that there's no one way to do it, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and the beautiful thing that I'm really enjoying about home
2: educating is that it can, it's very fluid, it, you don't have to stick with being semi-structured, you don't have to stick with being unschooling, you don't have to, and you can move within those depending on how the children are learning depending on your life circumstances because as much as um you are home educating for the children because it's home educating life has a greater impact on that so and that in itself is part of the education so you follow if you follow that fluid the constancy is the safe space that you're providing for the children that's the constancy and to be able to have that moving in and out so you go semi-structured unschooling semi-structured fully structured you can respond and that's the beautiful thing about home ed is that you can respond in whichever way is needed at
0: that moment in time yeah I love it um what what does that look like in practice for you and your family So in practice,
2: what that means is that I have allocated days that I work and allocated days where I don't work. My husband is a little bit more fluid during the days. So he has a little bit more fluidity. And it means that we have booked in various different things that the children have signed on to do. So for example, um, we do circus, um, they do different music, Uh, They do different languages. They do time travels. um, And those are very specifically booked in each week so the children know what is coming. And I try and do that, organise it, so that it's on days that I'm not working. On the days that I'm working, and these things tend to happen, we create a space so that the children know what to do. And part of the learning is then how to become self-disciplined. So I then support them in the self-discipline. So the semi-structured from the children's perspective is that they know what happens each day at
0: what time. I love that. Um, Do you guys follow um, sort of curriculums and things like that? Or is it kind of um, self-directed by yourselves? Do you you have sort of... um, So do you follow the national curriculum, for example? No. No? Okay. No,
2: we don't. So... um, I say that very broadly. I know that my, uh, my husband dips in and out of that um, because he finds that that gives him an understanding of, um, of, of what is covered within the school. And that is actually done at the request of my eldest. So she directed him what she would like to look at. So he then looked at that and now then translates it back to her if, that makes sense it does Um, but otherwise no we don't follow the curriculum um I tend to because what I found was that was that the children so responded to you following their interests that actually when I suggested let's you know would you like to do like the travel class immediately I had a yes we'd love to and they are absolutely buzzing for it each week and There's no homework, but she offers if you wish to do any work, if you wish to do any research or looking up. And the children are there looking up more stuff every day of their own choice, um, of the back of that. So the the learning direction is more following the children than it is necessarily a national curriculum. I do have in the back of my mind, um, which I, being honest, I have in the back of my mind right where do the children want to go if they wish yeah. to be here how do we get there so that's how we've always done our schooling approach and our parenting approach is if we if the children want to get to this point how do you get there so it's as opposed to bottom up we need to get these exams need to get these exams working up we've gone right if you want to get there how do you get there
0: yeah
2: and we go at it that way
0: fantastic um so you mentioned uh sort of they do um travel class you said mm-hmm. um yep. so are these are these um sort of classes that somebody else provides yes yep okay that makes sense um so it's it's um is, is it group kind of <laughs> set up
2: yes it's a group set up and these classes actually are online okay um and that really suits my children in their way of learning. Um, It enables them to be in small classes, which again is what they prefer. Um, And then one day a week, my youngest two um, go into a group where they do different things um, for the whole day. And so they have a whole day away from home um, and and do that sort of activity. So that is also their structure.
0: I love it. Um the reason I'm asking so many questions is because obviously, as as you will know, Kate, mm-hmm. I'm an unschooler. So yeah. um the stuff that you're you're telling me about is not something I'm familiar with. Um and if I'm not familiar with it, there'll be other families that aren't as well. So it's it's of interest, um, and it is interesting to me. Um it's it's a really I really love how it's not about you needing to impose a semi-structure on your children it's about as a family um, and i know this from your parenting style as well you know as a family it's about you collaborating proactively together working out uh, what everybody needs including parents and then coming up with a plan to meet those needs
2: absolutely absolutely that's something that we do a fair bit of is we sit down and have a conversation usually around a Sunday lunch or something like that, where what's working, what isn't working, what's working for the parents, what's working for the children, what don't they like, what do they like. Um, the conversation can get quite heated um, <laughs> as people are expressing their views and their opinions. Um, but it's it's really important for my husband and I that that it's a... We work as a unit, and a lot of people I know have commented about how strong as a family unit we are, and we yeah. work as a family unit to meet everybody's needs. So that, and that in itself again is is, is part of the learning. Um, and so to reflect that we have to work, to reflect that the washing needs doing, how can everybody be in, involved in that? Um, I personally love the idea of unschooling and in my ideal world i would probably go down that route um but however as i was saying earlier life has intervened and circumstances have intervened so as a result we are semi semi semi-structured so i try and bring in the unschooling aspect where we try and follow what their needs are we try and follow what their interests are as opposed to top down dictating a structure on them that's how I r- meet it in my mind.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, and you you might be surprised to know that the, um, the information that you've given me leads me to believe that you're actually unschooling. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, and this is something um, that a lot of families don't realise is that unschooling isn't about having no structure or mm. um, having no plan or, or any of those kinds of things. It's about self-directed education. Mm. And and it's about working as a unit, as a family, that life happens. And we need to work within the life circumstances. Um, and you have a very unschooling mindset. Right. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not... Uh, it, there's a lot of misunderstanding around what unschooling is. Mm. And a lot of people do believe that unschooling is just kind of like, you know, your kids are just doing whatever they feel like and you're not involved kind of thing. Yeah. But, But actually, it's it's very much like what you're talking about. You know, your your child is interested in travel. You found something that might be of interest to them that also meets the needs of the family, which is that you need to have somebody else doing something with the children while you're working or, you know, various things like that. And. The, the child is interested in that thing. They have gone, yes, that's exactly what I need um, to learn about. And I want and I'm interested in learning about and you then facilitate that. Mm. So actually, it's it's I'm finding more and more that, you know, a, a lot of families who feel that they are very structured or, um, you know, semi structured and, and things like that. are They actually have quite an unschooling mindset which it which is very much about that collaboration as a family um understanding everybody's needs and how we can meet those needs yeah. um so yeah thank you
2: i do it is it's very interesting to hear you say that and part of the reason i feel that we are semi structured is because uh my children were originally at an alternative school which was um was was actually an unschooling school uh in this particular context and so as a result because we have to have um set times for activities to happen it's not as um it's not as free if that makes any sense it's uh in that response so for example um sometimes the children will wake up and they will want to do something on a day that I'm working and as much as I would love to be able to fulfill that I have to say no yeah and and in my mind that is
0: a structure if that makes any sense it does make sense it does um and and what I would say is that uh unschool unschooling happens in a lot of different ways and very interesting to yeah. hear yeah um you'll you'll hear us talk more about that um with our next guests um because as as the sort of podcast um has gone on what I found is that um a a lot of people have very unschooling mindsets um and you know that need for structure in your in your life doesn't necessarily mean that um you aren't uh following a non schooled approach, if that makes sense
2: it does it does, and actually, do you know what that really clarifies for me um why people really struggle with our approach when and i'm when I say people struggle with our approach, I'm referring to those who are within the schooling system who we get asked a lot of questions why we're doing it, how we're doing it. What on earth for? Aren't you worried? You know, there's a lot of questions that, that come up. And because as you have already sort of observed and commented on, you know, our parenting very much is is part of the schooling, part of the education. Um, and we are slightly left field for a lot of people around us. And actually what you've just, how you've just phrased it, has actually clarified why people really, uh, really struggle sometimes with
0: with how I explain things so that's been that's great
2: thank you very much
0: <laughs> it's my pleasure it's my pleasure um you know it's, it's difficult isn't it you know when you're doing something different to the norm or the average um people are very very interested in it but also want desperately to be able to find a box to put you in yes and when they can't find that box to put you in um you know it 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 this it, it, it feels uncomfortable for people. Yes. Yes. So yeah, um I'm I'm totally going to say <laughs> that you you are um a semi-structured unschooling mindset family <laughs> <laughs> on the gentle parenting spectrum. <laughs> Thank you, Kate, so much for sharing what semi-structure looks like to your family. And uh, we're going to move on to speak to our um, last two guests, Heidi and Lana now. Um, But thank you ever so much for joining me. Oh, Thank you very much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks. So, for my final two guests, I have two wonderful home edders. I have Lana and Heidi. Lana is a semi-structured home educator in Wales and Heidi is an unschooler in the south of England. Um, So, Lana, how long have you been home ed?
3: So we are coming up to our almost one year anniversary. I didn't even realise until the other
0: day. And I was like,
3: we've been doing this a year. Wow, that's gone quick. So yeah, quite new to it. Um, but obviously, kind of with the way the last couple of years have gone, we actually didn't follow work that sent home from school anyway. Um, <clears throat> because it just didn't work. So, you know, we've kind of, I suppose, for all intents and purposes, been doing it a lot longer. But officially, yeah, we're kind of coming up to our one year
0: I, I hear that a lot with people who are um, who have sort of started home editing in the last couple of years is that, you know, that that pandemic sort of lockdown environment, um, you know, gave you that taste of having your child at home a lot um, instead of in school. And sort of getting a feel for how education works in school and whether or not that's something that you kind of feel you can replicate at home easily. Absolutely. And, yeah, absolutely. And I think what it's done, I've seen
3: a massive rise in people home educating, is, you know, it. For, for us looking at the work that was coming home, it gave me a very, very clear indication of what my child was capable of, where he was struggling. And that was feedback I wasn't getting from the school. Um, and actually, worryingly... Um, when I recently uh, addressed the school about some issues, they basically said, yeah, it's quite generic. And they they openly admitted to me that it's quite generic. Rep- results are just kind of uh, based on X, Y, and Z and don't actually reflect your child's ability. And I just thought, how terrifying is that? And you're happy to admit that to me. You know, and I just thought, and this is, was after, this is a long time after I'd, I'd removed him anyway, Um But yeah, it just, it's home ed before he was even born was something that I was contemplating. I think for me, I just um, lacked that confidence in myself because of health conditions and being neurodiverse myself. It was a massive worry. I thought, can I cope with this? Can I do this? Um, And so I tried the school system knowing in my gut that it wasn't going to work for him. Um, And you kind of, you do these things almost as like a checklist even though you yeah. know in your heart of hearts that it's it's not right and so I tried that and I think ultimately if it hadn't been for the pandemic had he been in for those two years completely I would have removed him an awful lot sooner an awful lot sooner that makes um, a lot of
0: sense
3: yeah absolutely and I think you know for me I had massive guilt around not taking him out sooner and when I kind of put it into perspective and I sat there and thought actually for the two years that he was in school he wasn't there um we had a lot of school refusal. He wouldn't go. So even when he was there, he was on a reduced timetable. So ultimately, I've been home educating since the day he was born, you know, with little pockets of time in between where he's been in a school environment, where he yeah. couldn't live because the learning wasn't suited to him. So yeah, only, uh, you know, officially, when you put that into perspective, officially home educating for a year, but actually no, for seven years, um, you know, and we Love start that. teaching them from the day that they're born and sometimes it's just having that different outlook on things um but yeah absolutely i think the pandemic made lots of parents realize i can do this it's not as complicated as we're made to believe um and obviously as parents having gone through the school system for for the majority of us we also have that that conditioning from a school environment embedded into us and so we have to unlearn everything that we believe to be the truth and create our own truth, you know?
4: There's a lot of nodding going on here. There is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Sorry, hi. I, I have a tendency to go <laughs> Hello. off. Hello. <laughs> so, yeah,
3: if I, if I go off too much, feel free to kind of bring me back
0: in because, you know, when I'm passionate about things, I can kind of ramble a bit. You're, you're in good company. You're um, well, in very good company. This could yeah. go on a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, Lana, you describe your home ed as uh, kind of semi-structured. What does that mean for you?
3: So, for us, um, again, kind of when I removed them officially, I wanted to do, I think, you know, I think as parents generally we can do this, but I think coming from a sort of ADHD, ASD brain, I wanted to go out and do all the things and buy all the things. And I had this big list of resources and websites and all the stuff. And... I had sat there with these lists and I thought, I can't do this. It's too much. It's too much. I don't even know where to start. So we tried a couple of things. I mean, I'd already been using certain resources with him anyway. Um, so we stuck with those. And we had a couple of weeks where we basically didn't do any sort of structured learning. Um, we had to completely come away from that whole scenario, give him time to come down from what he'd been through, a massive school trauma, um which which greatly impacts their learning ability and again it's that that unschooling yourself as well you have to kind of take yourself away from that and I think you know sometimes we don't realize this that we it's just as important for us as well um to move away from that uh so we just kind of plodded along really we did a lot of horrible histories um uh, things like the kids should see this stuff that he was interested in you know stuff that he wanted to learn for ages uh, that I already had in the list <clears throat> and then it became clear that actually that lack of structure for us wasn't as um, conducive to learning for him as it, it, it can be for lots of other children we do need some sort of structure he needs to know what he's doing in advance um, because he's also neurodiverse. But there also has to be a level of flexibility. And that can be very hard to balance sometimes um, when you're living with neurodiversity. Because, you know, if you spring things on too quickly, that can cause um, stress. If you have a build-up to things and you know what's happening, that can cause So it's always trying to find that balance. And no situation is the same. You can do exactly the same thing every single day. And it still produces a completely different reaction. So you just never know from minute to next what is going to happen. So that's why semi-structured works for us. We, have, we sit down together on a Sunday. We have a timetable that we've made up. We put things in there. So we have the things that we must do. So numeracy and literacy um, and reading. Those are the things that we, we focus strongly on and we make sure are involved in every day in some shape or form. That doesn't necessarily mean sit down structured lessons. That can be something like baking, it can be doing DIY, it can be building something, anything. Um, and then we kind of loosely plan the afternoon. So if there's something specific that he wants to learn about, we'll look into that. It may be that he's reached his um, spoons for that day and we'll sit and play board games. And, and again, there's so much learning just in board games. So it's just adjusting you know, we take Wednesdays off for kind of mental health and emotional well-being, which will be, um, you know, it could be reading certain things. It could be learning different coping mechanisms. It, it, sometimes it's just a day out to the beach because it's, you know, it's vital. Our kids need that just as much as they need to be sat learning things. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at. Uh, you know, he could have a day where he's gotten up and he's really, really struggling. So trying to enforce any sort of structure then and structured learning is just never going to work. He has to be in the right place for him and he has to want to do it because learning, you know, and even as adults. And I think we forget sometimes it's, oh, it's very easy to forget that children are just little versions of us. You know, they they feel the same things. They just can't always articulate it in the, in the same way. And um, so I always kind of think, well, how would I feel in that situation or well, what would I do? And I know that if my mind isn't on something, my PDA will kick in. And I'm, I know I absolutely have to do this, thing, but I am not doing it. So trying to force that, um, especially with our children, it's, always, it's just going to create a negative impact on them. It's going to kind of make them draw back from what we're trying to achieve with them. Um, so, again, you know, it's not conducive to their learning when we, when we hit that point. So we just scrap everything. We scrap everything. We take it off the table and I go, if you're struggling with that today, then we don't do it. We find something else. We do something else. Um, and I think that's really important that we don't push them and put that pressure on, because then that's kind of imitating that school environment where they have to do these things and they have no choice. Um, and we have to move away from that if we're going to facilitate their learning in a productive, positive way for them.
0: I absolutely love your take on semi-structure. Um... Thank I love you. it. It's it's very unschooling. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> uh, you, you're sat between two unschoolers currently yeah. and uh, we're both nodding Sorry, along. Was going. muted. That's very unschooling. I'm sat here thinking, are you sure you're not unschooled Do You know what?
3: The semi-structure label, it helps me feel better. It's like needing that structure. So it's kind of, you know, it's, it is between the two and it's very kind of... Um, I think at the moment, we're still kind of making things up as we go along. He, flexible. Like, flexible. 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 Yeah, you know, we're very flexible. And I think you have to be because we could settle on one type of schooling. We could decide that's the best fit. And actually, as our children grow, their needs can change. The things that they struggle with can change. You know, we've got this, the, the age between five and seven. It's such a fundamental growing stage, both physiologically and psychologically. And then you've got, you know, that awkward stage in between kind of they don't quite know where they are. They're not quite a teenager. They're not quite a, a child anymore. You know, and we've got all these different stages and we have to learn to be flexible and grow with them. Um, and I think if we're very rigid in our approach, very rigid in our styles or our structures, then we're going to lose them along the way. And so you've got to have that level of flexibility and kind of move with them where they are at. Um, yeah but you know that's that's just
0: my kind of view on on things. It's a beautiful view to have. Um absolutely love it. I'm going to bring Heidi in. Hi. Um, hello Heidi. Hey. Um how long have you been home editing? Uh so
4: my children have never been to school and my eldest is um 15 and a half. Um so either you can look at that and say 15 and a half years or if you want to count from compulsory school age it's it's about um 11 years or something Yeah. um so I've got four children and none of them have ever been to school and we've always unschooled so we've never um never done um school at home which was heavily influenced by my background in primary school teaching um Ah, so we so very very early on yeah, that was a big influence in our decision yeah. to home educate and also the style in which, or the, or the way in which we um, began home educating. I mean, when we started, I didn't know it was called cool uns- unschooling. I just knew I didn't want to do school at home. I knew my kids were happy doing what they were doing and we were just going to carry on doing that. Um, and then in time, I met other home educators and became familiar with the with the term unschooling. Um, and
0: it was a really good fit for us. So yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think the term unschooling can be really uh, misunderstood. Um, Very much so, <laughs> even amongst unschoolers. <laughs> Very much so. Very much so. Um, <laughs> but what I want to concentrate on today, um, I'd love to have you on for an entire just just me and Heidi episode. Um, let's do that. But um, what what does what does unschooling mean to you
4: well in the beginning it was very much about um my children just being allowed to be children and to continue doing what they were doing so you know when they're younger that looks like play they they just wanted to play all the time we went out and met other families and played in the woods and they climbed trees and they collected sticks and they stripped off all their clothes and rolled around in muddy puddles um And, you know, my youngest is eight. So she's still very much in that play phase because that's something that's very different. If your children go to school, they lose that play phase quite quickly once they get into school. But as an eight-year-old, she's still very much in the play phase. So her um, particular uh, favorite thing is uh, Barbies. She loves Barbies, um, cuddly toys. She likes playing in the bath, so she'll have baths most days sometimes several times a day um because she loves water play um they just like doing things that kids like to do um and we do those things all the time instead of redirecting them into something that we think looks educational um and trust that they will grow and learn and develop in their own time as and when they're ready so as I said, I've got older ones. So that now looks very, very different for my older two. Um, it looks different to when they were younger, but it also looks very different to their schooled peers as well. Um, but they now have um, sort of intense interests, which they spend a lot of their time and energy on. Mm. Um, and it's different for um, both of them. One of them's is very um, into film, um, digital art, Um, He really likes problem-solving and strategy games, um, and and he likes um, manga. Um, And then my 14-year-old, he is a big gamer, so he spends a lot of time gaming, Um, but he likes things like Pokemon, Magic the Gathering, anything where he can acquire um, a list of things that he can store in his head. Um, so if you want to talk about being neurodivergent, we're a very, 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 I don't know if you could be a very, very neurodivergent family, but we are a very neurodiverse family, we have a lot going on um, in that area, um, and unschooling for us is a, means that that's a really good, good fit for my number one thing, so obviously when we chose to start home educating, I didn't um, know that we were a neurodiverse family, my children were very young, um, and now I look at it and think it was the it's the best thing we could have done for them. They have been fully embraced and accepted for who they are, um, and haven't spent time in a place that has repeatedly told them that they're behind or they're wrong, or they need to be doing things that are actually very, very difficult for them. In maybe you know looking at the teacher or sitting still and having their hands still and you know all that sort of stuff. Um, has been removed and I look back now and think wow I feel so fortunate that we we made that decision when we did.
0: Yeah yeah I know for me um, I've had uh, so I've got four children as well um, and uh, all of them have been home ed at different points um, but the youngest who is now nine um, he's always been home ed So, um, because of when I took, um, the, the other children out of school, um, we decided that he, he didn't need to go to preschool nursery, um, or, or school, um, and decided that at some point he might ask, um, about school and things, which he has. Um, but a few days ago, he, he did say to me, I'm so glad that like, you didn't, that you've always fully explained what school looks like to me, the good and the bad, um, you know, because actually I don't think I ever want to go to somewhere like that. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, when he walks past schools and it's playtime, sometimes he gets that kind of like, oh, it would be really nice to to play in the playground and, and things like that with other children. Um, and I remind him, you know, that he, go, he goes and does that most days. Um, but there isn't a time limit on it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it is, it is fascinating being able to see, from my perspective, being able to see the difference in his learning style as an unschooler and the difference in um, my 14, now 14-year-old 14 um, because he left school when he was six. So he had two years in school um, and he was in preschool previous to that as well. So what's, what's really fascinating for me um, and something you mentioned, Heidi, is a play. Um, you know, at nine years old, he is um, commonly found in the bath, um, very similar to, to your eight-year-old. He loves water, um, but also he's got these little army soldiers that go everywhere with him and he will uh, kind of find spaces in the house to create scenarios. So um, he'll take his soldiers and he'll get up on a, on a chair and up to the shelves and, you know, he'll be playing this entire scenario of, um, you know, they're on a cliff and someone's going to fall off. And all of these kinds of wonderful imaginative play that um, my other children lost really early. Um, and they're all neurodivergent. So it's. It's not um, some people would say, oh, well, you know, that person's autistic and that person isn't. And, you know, things like that play a factor. But I I think the biggest factor for children and play, which is how they learn best, is that there isn't enough opportunity for it in the school environment. No,
4: it loses its value as well um, in the school environment because children are repeatedly told this is what learning is. So this lesson is learning and this worksheet is learning and this activity is learning because I am the teacher and I've told you this is what learning is. Playtime, that's different. That's just a fancy, you know, break. That's just like a hobby and it holds no value. So then when children do come to a point where they go, I'm going to choose what I do, they lean into actually adults have told me that this is really important. I'm going to do this and and carry maybe. Unknown to them, you know, not they don't. This isn't literally a thought pattern they go through, but they know, they know that play is frivolous and not really worth much, and so very quickly, or maybe it takes a few years, but you know, between about four and seven, very, you know, that period of time, they learn that play isn't how how you're supposed. It's to It's not be. valuable, that's, right? It's not valuable. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. That's a valid point because I
3: used to. Um, we live literally right by the school um very lucky they live in quite a rural area um, but it's kind of at the end of the street so when they're out playing especially in the summer when my little boys kind of out in the garden we can hear them on their playtime and for him he always says i don't like hearing them um because it just reminds me of how i didn't like playgrounds and you know and there were times I had to go somewhere and I'd see him in the playgrounds; they'd be on their break and he'd be by himself because he just he's he's not good at socializing he doesn't like being around other children he doesn't like being around a a large amount of children with the noise and all of that sort of and that took the pleasure in playing away from him because to him he was forced to go out into the playgrounds irrelevant of the weather Um, he really struggles when it's windy because of the noise and it hurts his ears and things like that You know, being forced into that situation that was very, very difficult for him. So he lost his love of just being outside and playing. And to watch that come back over the last year, um, I mean, we spent the entire summer out in the garden playing, learning. You know, learning through play. And he just loved being out there. And now he just can't wait for the weather to warm up a bit. We can have our little fire out there and his music on. And, you know, we'd spend summer nights out there. And, I'd, you know, I could let him stay up later and we'd sit chatting um, because we don't have to worry about getting getting them up. And, you know, just to see that that joy of being outside come back because it's just, you know, for that very small period. Of, and I mean, if I look at it collectively over the two years that he went, he probably wasn't even in school a son's token for three months. Literally. So when I put you put that into perspective in a three-month period, what that did to his love of playing, his ability to play and enjoy it, um, you know, his enjoyment of certain things. It's it's really heartbreaking to see. Um, yeah. yeah. But to know that we have the power to give that back to them, to give them a safe space to allow them to be themselves and, you know, embrace everything that being a child is because they should be allowed to be children for as long as they possibly can. You know, we're a long time grown up and, you know, being a grown up is quite hard. So, you know, we can give them that opportunity to just play, enjoy life, learn through play. And, you know, that's worth everything really.
0: Yeah, it really is. Heidi, what does unschooling look like for you in practice? <laughs> That's a good
4: question. Everyone always wants to know that. Um, I know, right? Right, yeah. And the thing is, I'm gonna—I will talk to you about what my uh, what our life looks like at the moment. Um, but I'm going to start by saying it's it, because it's unschooling. It looks different for every family because it enables you to um, make those choices which suit your children and your family. So I will—I'll tell you what our lives look like at the moment. Um, so I'll just run through what we're going to do today. Actually, um, we my older two, so my teens, they're fourteen and fifteen, have a teen meet in a local community cafe, um, and they take board games and they meet fortnightly there. Um, so they will do that, and it's really close to the library. So at the same time, I'll take I'll drop them off so that they can do that and have some independent time with their friends and their peers Um, and I take my younger two to the uh, to the library for a couple of hours and we'll do whatever the library has to offer we'll read books they'll choose ones they want to bring home Um, they quite often do the little our library has like colouring or work like little crosswords and that sort of thing so we'll hang out um, there together um, and then we'll come home so that's probably that's sort of our um, event for the day um, and I, because of how our family is, I don't plan more than one thing a day. That's it. Um, two of my children in particular will come home and sort of crash. That will be um, what that will be the end of, <laughs> of well, for maybe for a couple of hours before they sort of reemerge and they're ready to do something else. Um, so then at home today, um, my younger two really like art. So they've got quite a few arty bits around that they're um working on my 11 year old's got a a 500 piece jigsaw she's working on that's out on the bedroom floor that she dips in and out of um we're quite into diamond art at the moment so we spend some time sitting doing that um and they are on a marathon um watching hmm, i think it's henry danger at the moment is their go-to thing so they'll probably watch um you know five six seven eight episodes of that um and my older two will come home and then they'll connect with friends online normally ironically the same friends that they've met (laughs) in the afternoon they just come home and then reconnect um reconnect online and they have a schedule with their little friendship group of what games they play every day it's really lovely Um, I can't remember what today holds but like each day so I do know that Monday they play Among Us that's their Among Us day um and then they play raft together one day they play team fortress 2 together um anyway they've got a, a game a day that they that they currently um have planned together and that, and that's and that's what they do so that's yeah that's our day I'll make dinner sometimes the children help make dinner sometimes I make dinner on you know solo um you know we've got other run-of-the-mill things that we do like you know feed the animals we've got quite a few animals so walk the dog feed the animals um yeah just normal stuff (laughs) it's
0: just household
4: stuff it's just like life stuff that we that we do it can Um, be really hard
0: it can be really hard to describe your unschooling in practice because um uh, for us our our unschooling just living life and yeah. <laughs> knowing that education and learning and growth is impossible to avoid as a human being Yeah, um, so it's it's funny you mentioned about the the kids um seeing each other in person and then gaming later on that day that happens with ours as well they um they'll go to geek retreat and then come home and they're straight on a call with the same people in geek retreat or at the park um yeah and and it's really beautiful um that they're they're kind of interacting in various different ways and forms um with their friends but what i love about that is that it's self-imposed structure it's self-directed um structure that that they're creating for themselves because that's um what works best for them it's wonderful to hear about you know all of the different ways in which home education can happen and for those of you listening um across this podcast obviously this episode we've had um four different members talk to us about how home education looks for them that doesn't mean that those are the four categories that you should follow um there are there are as many ways to home educate your child as there are home educated children i hope that those of you listening have had a um a nice little kind of insight into how it works for different families but that doesn't mean that it needs to be something you pick um thank you to my guests for joining me today it's been absolutely amazing talking to you Thank you so much for joining us and we will see you next week for another Home Ed 101.